Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. Hello, Cricket Badgers everywhere. Welcome along to another edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. Apologies for coming so fast. I know some of you are struggling to keep up with them, and just because I have got nothing else to do, quite literally, so I'm banging out the Cricket Badger Podcasts. I am very, very pleased to know that you're enjoying them. I've had some fantastic feedback from you around the world, actually, not just in England, and that is very, very much appreciated. And bear in mind as well that many of them are timeless. So if we get to the end of lockdown, things will go back to normal, and you can always trawl back through the catalogue then and uh, catch up on what you've missed but today is a hashtag goat cricketer special we've done five goat cricketer votes on the at cricket underscore badger twitter feed already and now we turn our attention to south africa some fantastic players have played for the proteas down the years and i'm joined on this podcast by Dion Kreish, the former Yorkshire player, he came across as a cold pack, played five years for the White Rose County. Proud South African though, a terrific bloke and he's joined me today to go through some of the greatest of all time when it comes to South African Test cricket. He's going to pick five, I'm going to pick five. We'll discuss their relative merits as we go through this, we'll mention a few others as we go along too. And then you've probably got the gist of how it works so far. Those 10 will go into the hat. I'll add another 22 South African greats. We'll draw them out into eight pools of four. Then into four pools of four. The top two qualify from each vote until we get to the final four. They will qualify for the world event, which will come up shortly. And then we'll have the final vote to decide who is the greatest South African test cricketer of all time. Dion's got five really good ones. I've got five really good ones. He's got one that I am jealous of that I wanted to include myself. If you're a regular listener of the Cricket Badger podcast, you'll know that A.B. de Villiers is a a firm favourite of mine and Dion's nicked him, but I've got five very good ones to come back at him with. Thank you to tvsportsblog.com for their continued support of the Cricket Badger podcast. Give them a follow as well on Twitter at tvsportsblog. 
And without further ado, let's get into the chat. 10 great South African cricketers on this edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. It's that Badger style. We've done, I think, five hashtag goat cricketers now on the Cricket Badger podcast for England. Sir Ian Botham took the crown for the West Indies. It was a Garfield Sobers for Australia. Probably no surprise that Don Bradman ruled the roost there. As we speak, the Pakistan vote is currently in the final and it looks like it's going to be between Imran Khan and Wazim Akram to take that title. And for India, it was the little master, Sachin Tendulkar. So probably no surprises just yet. I think the cricket badges out there have voted quite wisely so far on the hashtag Goat Cricketer. And now we turn our attention to South Africa. And it couldn't come at a better time. It's quite a happy coincidence, really, that we're currently number one in the podcast charts in South Africa. And we're turning our attention to their great cricketers of yesteryear. And it's always good on these podcasts to get somebody with the right accent on the podcast to talk about South African cricketers of yesteryear, somebody that probably wasn't that far away from the test team at one stage as well. And that's Dion Kreich, my old buddy from the Yorkshire days. Dion, how are you? I'm very good in yourself, James. I can't quite be mentioned in the same <laughs> vein as the cricketers you've mentioned before, but it'll be an honour to talk about them. You were on my list, Dion. Always on my list. <laughs> Thank you. I've, I've never been. <laughs> and when we're going to nominate five apiece, you've got five written down in front of you. I've got five very fine cricketers written on my list as well, because South Africa has produced some really good talent down the years, hasn't it? Oh, in the in- amazing. Mentioned in the intro there, Dion, that uh, you know, at some stages in your career, you probably weren't too far away from international recognition. How, how close do you think you got? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, you know, I, I often think about it, <laughs> unfortunately. But I, I must say, I played in an era where there were some Unbelievable bowlers. You talk about just before I started golf through Stephen Jeffries, uh, Clive Rice, Vince Van Bale, uh, then came Alan Donald, Hugh Page, Stephen Jack, Richard Snell, Pollock, Mutini. The list goes on and on and on. And then just when I maybe thought I got to my best stage of my career, uh, along came a young man by the name of Dale Stane, who did reasonably well too. So I think I might have just been a bit unfortunate being in an, in an era with so many, many great bowlers. Well, we're going to come to a few of those names as we go through this podcast, because I think uh, a couple of the names there are on either side of the columns and, and yours and my nominations. But let's get cracking, shall we? Yeah. And let's get into our first nomination. As you're the guest on the podcast, Dion, I'll let you go first. Who is your first nomination and why? Our first nomination will have to be Graham Pollock. Uh, obviously, being Afrikaans, mostly into rugby, uh, but as I got more and more involved in cricket, uh, you got to know about the mean machine, and uh, Graham Pollock was probably the player in the mean machine, a left-hander for a long time. He held the highest score for South African Test cricket, 274, um, made his first-class debut at 16, scored hundreds. And I'll never forget his last innings for South Africa, the infamous humdinger, the one-day international at uh, St. George's Park. Could have gotten out the first couple of balls to Rodney Hogg and then I think got 144, not many balls after that, and absolutely smashed them everywhere. So... Without a doubt, he's got a stand at St. George's Park, uh, renamed after him, one of the legends of South African cricket. Currently 76 years old, Graham Pollock. He played 23 test matches for South Africa. As you say, the highest score of 274. Averaged nearly 61, 60.97 in test cricket. By anybody's yeah. standards, that is pretty impressive, isn't it? Oh, unbelievable. And it's, it's a shame, you know, many good cricketers or great cricketers in that era didn't get to play that much uh, test cricket. But uh, I think if he played more, that average 
could have gone up because he was just like an unbelievable talent. People who are regular listeners of the Cricket Badger podcast will know I wrote a book about fathers and sons in, in cricket. And you look on the Cricket Info yep. page for Graham Pollock and you've got the father, A.M. Pollock, uncle, R. Howden, brother, P.M. Pollock. Mm. You've got the cousin, yep. Mr. Nicholson. You've got the, another cousin, another Nicholson. Then you've got the sons and one of those uh, and a nephew as well in Sean Pollock who hasn't actually quite made our list. He's, he's, he was one that we mentioned in dispatches in our discussion, Sean Pollock. But what a great family yep. for South Africa that is. Unbelievable. I, um, I had the fortune of playing with and against Graham's two sons, Anthony. Um, I'll think of the other name now. Uh, Anthony, yeah, Anthony is the younger one. He's also left hand better. He's a year older than I am. Uh, very good at school. Didn't quite fulfill the, uh, the expectations, but I think having a dad like that, uh, who was one of the greats of all time, uh, was a hard act to follow. Andrew, Andrew, that's right. But he was a, he was a bowler. Played a little bit of first-class cricket, but not a not a heck of a lot. That it's a, it's a good point you make there. That you know, that, I mean, the family's fa- fantastic. And one of the things I think with the goat cricketer votes, um, the temptation, isn't it, that you know, if you're say 30 years old and you you've seen certain players and you've only got a dim, distant memory of some of the others, you might just recognise the name but not know too much about them. Somebody like Graham yeah. Pollock is a perfect example of somebody that deserves to get a long way in this vote. He's an all-time great of certainly batting and certainly an all-time great oh. of South African cricket. So don't just dismiss him because he comes from a bygone era. Have a look at his stats yeah. and make sure you uh, pay him enough attention in this vote because I'd like to see him progress yeah. to the, at least the last four, I think. Well, without a doubt, uh, you know, we've, we've got some unbelievable names on, on our list, but... Uh, I think he, he has to have the respect from everyone. And I think uh, the voters will uh, hopefully concur with us. We'll, we'll wait and see over the next few weeks, Dion. But uh, thank you for your yep. first nomination. And I think a very fine one indeed. I'll go to my first nomination. And it's a, a little bit uh, a bit more recent, but uh, another fine, fine batsman for South Africa. And that is Hashim Amla, currently 37 but played 124 test matches for his country, average of 46.64. And if you go down the lists of who was the first to 1,000 runs, 2,000 runs, 3,000 runs in test cricket, he basically crops up all the way through that. He was absolutely prolific mm. for the Proteas. He obviously played domestic cricket in England and has played around the world in various competitions too. But in test matches, that record, you know, high score of 311 not out, 28 test match centuries. Hashim Amla has to be in the reckoning for this hashtag goat cricketer for South Africa. A, a truly consistent and terrific batsman. I think so. the South African voting might be the most difficult before I get to Hashim because we've got so many good ones. There's not, well, there's maybe one uh, that we'll probably get to that really maybe stands out above all, but all the others are, uh, I think there's not a lot to choose between them because they've all got so many good points. Like you mentioned with with Hashim, he's got the highest test score. Um, his one-day record was second to none, uh, averaging 50 at a strike rate of 90, opening the batting. And to think that initially in his career, he sort of struggled a little bit against the short ball. He was dropped, uh, worked on a new technique and came back and just went uh, from strength to strength and was probably one of the rocks of the South African batting lineup for a number of years. An uncanny resemblance to uh, England's Moen Ali as well. When Moen Ali was bowling at Hashim Amla, you had to kind of look twice, didn't you, to work out who which was which because they both yeah. had the big bushy beards. Moen was the beard that was feared in England, but Hashim yeah. Amla was feared around the world for you know if you were a bowler bowling at Hashim Amla, you'd have your work cut out, wouldn't you? 
Well, and to mowing, but Hashim was just like such a silent assassin. He was one of the nicest guys you can ever meet, um, but so focused. I, I mentioned the, the the highest test score that he uh, that he scored at Oval, and that was during Ramadan. I was covering the test match here off tube, and it looked like he wasn't even breaking a sweat, and he couldn't eat. He, he had something to drink during that massive inning, and uh, it's just the powers of concentration that he had, and the way he scored fluently without looking like he was doing it. He didn't have a long time in English county cricket but he played for uh, um, Derbyshire for a season also played for Essex as well but he is somebody who I know speaking to a couple of the Derbyshire lads when he walked into a dressing room and when he spoke they all listened because they knew just how good he was fantastic player against spin and uh, a really good example of how counties can benefit from I mean like to yourself you came over over as a Colpac player but counties can really benefit from the overseas input can't they? Without a doubt I've just had a couple of conversations on Facebook regarding this I know there's uh, Craig Tennant doing a series on some of the past Yorkshire overseas cricketers and, and mentioning the, the overseas players that have come and the role that's played in their development. And obviously Hashim was signed for Surrey and he was supposed to play now, but with the whole pandemic, he hasn't been able to. But uh, while he scored his 311 at the Oval, and I'm sure there are a couple of bowlers a little bit nervous, knowing that if you don't get him out early, he's more than likely to score quite a big 100 or double 100 at least. Oh, he books in for bed and breakfast. We did. Uh, I I nominated Shiran oh. Chandapal for the West Indies. Uh, he didn't get very far in the vote actually, yeah. but he was a, a similar kind of player who basically, once he was in, you just could not dislodge yeah. him. Um, so Hashi Mamla yeah. is my first nomination for the South African Test hashtag Goat Cricketer. It's that Badger style. So we've got Graham Pollock so far, we've got Hashim Amla. Let's get on to your second nomination, mm-hmm. Dion Kresh. Also going for a player from yesteryear who didn't get play probably enough test cricket, but he'll also be known uh, in county cricket is Eddie Barlow. I don't know a huge amount about Eddie Barlow, I have to confess. Tell, tell me about him and why he's worthy. He was also one of the original sort of all-rounders in South African cricket. He was able to swing a, a match with either bat or ball, he, almost like a, a Ian Botham, Ben Stokes kind of cricketer. Maybe not quite as explosive with the ball, um, but he, he could come in and, and change games. Uh, there was always talk about like uh, Barlow's declarations on the fourth day at Newlands, and he knew how to to win games. He, he was prepared to to make it interesting in, in a way. The, the the last chase in the fourth innings for the opposition. He wouldn't say set them 480 overs, he'd set them 380 overs. I know cricket has evolved a little bit and it's, it's maybe all relative now, um, but he was maybe in a way a little bit in, ahead of his time in, in that sort of sense where he was prepared to, to lose to be able to win a game, if that makes sense. Bunter Barlow played 30 test matches for South Africa, 2,516 runs, average of 45.74. But as you say, a very much an all-rounder as well. 40 test match wickets, yeah. an average of 34.05. So they say, don't they, that if your batting average as an all-rounder um, is, is higher than your bowling average, that makes you a pretty decent player. And his is significantly higher. Yeah, I think a lot of people will, will reminisce about Eddie Barlow. And then also he had a massive influence in South African cricket afterwards, and in uh, and in Bangladesh, he coached the Free State team back in the day that had Corey Fonsell, Hans Kronier, Alan Donald, a bunch of youngsters who really became one of the powerhouses in South African cricket in in that time. Um, and then when I started here at Grick was in Kimberley, he was our coach with Kepler, and he really changed my game. He said to us, "Look, you guys aren't good enough." Uh, he made us work really hard, and we bumped heads sometimes. But I had so much respect for him. 
he played for Derbyshire, and I remember just before he passed away, him and Kelly, his wife, uh, then, and I still speak to her, they actually came and visited me, and we had a chat, and he was such a lovely man, uh, so passionate. Um, like I say, he did coaching at Bangladesh, and he had a stroke, and he came back, and we played against him, and it was quite uh, gut-wrenching, in a way, to see this proud man in a wheelchair and having to be looked after, but he, he lived and breathed cricket, and he made a massive, massive influence in South African cricket. I love the specs as well. You don't see many people playing in specs these days, but his pictures that I've just been looking through yeah. there, you know, the, the hair kind of brilliant mm. creamed atop his head and the uh, the specs on. He looks old old school, yeah. doesn't he? He looks old school, but a fantastic record in Test Match Cricket. A great nomination, Dale. He started playing in the era when South African cricket really started to be become more competitive internationally. I think up until then, the sort of early 60s and that, South Africa didn't win many series. Obviously, you mostly played against England and Australia. But in that era with the players he played with, they started changing the whole perception of South African cricket. He, he was not your first choice, though, to go in the five, was he? Because you initially picked Clive Rice. Fantastic all-rounder, Clive yeah. Rice. I watched him play a lot for Knots back in the day and uh, was a, mm-hmm. a terrific player. But Clive Rice never yeah. played a test match for South Africa. And there's a whole generation, probably more, who were denied yeah. international cricket because of apartheid, apartheid abhorrent yeah. and, and all the rest of it. And quite rightly, I think the world mm. took action. But um, it denied a lot of very talented players their chance to shine on the international stage, didn't it? Yeah, if you just look at the time he had with Knotts, with Richard Hadley, the impact he had. Uh, and then also as a coach, bringing Kevin Peterson across, who became one of the all-time greats. Uh, I was fortunate enough to spend some time with him at our inaugural uh, cricket academy in 1995 but as a player he was 40 odds then he could still run in and bowl and uh, it's such a pity he never got to play international cricket Uh, I think his record would have been second to none and you know we had a rich history of all-rounders in South African cricket and I think he was a great part in having that in South African cricket. Absolutely. I mean, we talk a lot about that golden generation of all-rounders, the Bothams, the Imran Khans, the Richard mm. Hadleys, etc. But uh, Clive Rice would have fitted very comfortably into that international company, wouldn't he? He would have certainly made his mark on the international stage if he'd ever had the chance at Test cricket. Easily. If you, if you knew the, the guy as well, his competitive nature, there's no doubt. I think they did have like a single wicket competitions, if I remember correctly. And I think he always did well. Uh, you know, batting, bowling. I mentioned that Humdinger, uh, I don't know if you know about the game. It was the Australian Rebel Series, 86-87. And uh, Australia were cruising this game after chasing like 340, which is unheard of in those days. And he came back and he got six for one, I think, towards the end of the innings, uh, including a hat-trick. He was one of the first guys who really made the European one-day cricket effective. Absolutely superb. So your nomination, anyway, is Eddie Barlow. And we nod our cap in reference to Clive Rice as well and his undoubted talents. But he won't be in the vote, unfortunately, because he never played Test Match Cricket. I'll move on to my second nomination, then, Dion. And he was the man that took over the captaincy at the age of 22. But he looked a lot older than that because he was a big fella. He had, you know, rippling muscles and all the rest of it. And a very determined fella, Graham Smith, who is... Uh, Look back at his test career, 117 test matches for his country, high score of 277, an average of not far short of 50 as well, and a very, very fine captain, 2700s in there, left-handed batsman. And I remember, the, I can't remember which series it was now in England, and Graham Smith just continued to score centuries all the way through that series. A really good batsman, but he had a big impact on South African cricket. He took the reins at a time where... 
there was the Hansi Cronier, Herschel Gibbs, etc., involved in the match-fixing stuff that was obviously very high-profile at the time. They looked for somebody to take charge of South Af- African cricket and steer it through and beyond that kind of phase, that sad phase in uh, South African history. And they turned to a 22-year-old. It, it says a lot about him as a person, doesn't it, that they turned to somebody so young and he kept hold of that captaincy for so long. Yes, and obviously he's been appointed now as Director of Cricket for South Africa, which is a great move. Um, yeah, it was 2003. It was a series of mags, and Jimmy Anderson actually made the debuts at Lords against them. That's right, yeah. Um, you got you got back-to-back double hundreds. Uh, first guy in however many years to have done that. Uh, well, I'd like to say I played a little bit of a part in, in his development. His first ever first-class game was against us in Kimberley, and he managed a meager 180. Yeah, well, it was fairly flat because I got some I got some runs too in in my defence, but you could see there was something special about him. You see that, um, just D- Dave, I, I thought you were going to say that you took him to one side and gave him some batting tips or something like that, but <laughs> I, di- I didn't realise you were serving a par volleys to him. <laughs> I was, uh, and probably lots more. Um, I was just trying to be kind. That's probably why I never played Test cricket because you remember that day. Um, anyway, on a on a serious note. Unbelievable player. Also, we talk about those those double hundreds, but he got 150 in the fourth innings, which he also reckons is the best innings he's played, uh, which was at Edgebaston, if, if memory serves me correctly. He, he scored hundreds in the fourth innings, probably more so than, than other players. He got 100 in the 414 we chased at first as well. A, a natural leader, a guy that could take an attack and, and just dismantle it. Yeah, I mean, people say that left-handers are always pleasant on the eye. He wasn't necessarily that kind of player, was he? He was fairly stubborn. He was fairly, yeah, he's not the most mm. pretty of players, but he just knew, knew his game and he knew how to get bat on ball and score runs and knew how to be obstinate as well. Without a doubt. Uh, you look, if you if you uh, look at the comments that uh, Jimmy Anderson and, and Stuart Broad made recently on Cricket Info, and they've got a few chess wickets between them. They were asked the most difficult batsman to bowl to in test cricket and they both said Graham Smith because of his ability to work some balls into the leg side which other guys couldn't. So it wasn't pretty, but it was effective. And I think it's a lesson for a lot of cricketers. You know, there are a lot of guys who look good and pretty and get 20s and 30s maybe, but it's not about how you look, it's about how many runs you score. That was me in club cricket. I, <laughs> I looked fantastic. We could never get past 10. Well, I, I looked at everywhere, so... Um, <laughs> but, but Graham was just a, an imposing leader. And uh, I think opposition knew that if they could target him. He maybe struggled a little bit against the left-arm bowlers, Zahir Khan, and I think Mitchell Johnson bothered quite a few batsmen in, in, in that sort of era when he was at his best. But there weren't many guys who were overly successful against Graham. Cricket Badger Podcast is brought to you in association with tvsportsblog.com. Give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. Excellent sporting content. It's well worth a look and give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. Let's move on to your third nomination then, Dion Kreish. Who are you going to go for and why? Probably the guy who would be favourite, Jacques Henry Callis. <laughs> what an unbelievable cricketer. We can go on and on about him, his stats. Tendulkar on the one side, Zahir Khan on the other, the only guy to have scored over 10,000 runs in ODI and Test cricket and got more than 250 wickets. And I don't see those records being broken with the amount of cricket and T20 cricket being played now. Absolutely superb. You look down his records in all formats, like you say, but 55.37 
He's averaging test match cricket from 166 test matches. You look at his bowling as well, 292 wickets. That's an average of 32.65, which just in isolation would keep you in a test side for a long, long time. But as an all-rounder, as a presence in that yep. uh, South African middle order, he was a real threat to everybody that he faced. Oh, without a doubt. And then he's got a couple of hundred catches too, <laughs> just to uh, top it all. I remember playing South African schools cricket with him in 1993. And even then you knew as a batsman he was special. You could see the technique. The way he played, he had so much time. His bowling didn't say to you at that stage he was going to be that special. He bowled medium pace. He was quite, he was a slight young man, actually. He wasn't very big. And then he just started getting stronger and stronger and bowled faster and faster. Um, if you remember the World Cup in, in 99 in, in England and Wales, he was bowling regularly over 140, sometimes 145, 146 kilometers an hour, which is fast enough. Just a once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-generation cricketer. We talked about Graham Smith being such a, a positive influence as captain on, on the South African side, but when you've got Jacques Cullis in your side, and you, just, you can throw him the ball or you can have him in the middle order just shoring that up and scoring runs. Yeah, that, that he's a mass, yeah. massive weapon for any team to have, isn't he? I think initially in his, in his career at number three, the batting lineup around him wasn't as good. It, it was good, but it wasn't as good as a little bit later in his career. So I think initially he, he felt a lot more responsibility. And also, I suppose with T20 cricket coming in, he sort of freed up a little bit. Um, but he just stayed in his bubble and he played as he, at his pace. And, you know, obviously for a long time, he didn't have a test double hundred. And eventually he got it. But I think when Graham and Hashim and A.B. and those guys played with him, he knew he wasn't the only batsman in the team. He could play a little bit more freely. And I think we just saw the class of him uh, towards the end of his career as well come through. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Goes down definitely as one of the greatest all-rounders that's ever played the game. And that's not just in South Africa, that's, that is everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Jacques Callis definitely fits into the uh, 32 that we'll have in the hashtag Goat Cricketer voting on the at cricket underscore Badger Twitter feed. And I expect him to get a very, very long way in that vote. As you say, he starts out as one of the favourites, I think, to win the hashtag Goat Cricketer for South Africa. Let's move on then to my third nomination and I'm going to go for a guy who was rather impressive with ball in hand, Alan Donald. I was actually at Trent Bridge that famous day where he had that little bit of a duel with uh, Mike Atherton. Mike Atherton, who was a fairly obstinate sod at the top of the order for England. He didn't like to give his wicket away either. And there was a really fantastic little, probably it was, it was probably only about 10 or 20 minutes that they really locked horns at Trent Bridge that day. Alan Donald thought he'd got him out. Mike Atherton just kind of smirked back down the pitch. Donald got more and more aggressive. He came in faster and faster and faster. And that, to me, that little bit of a clip, if you look it up on YouTube, it just sums up what Test cricket is all about. It's a batsman prizing his wicket, really being strong. It's a bowler giving his everything for the uh, team that he's bowling for. And Alan Donald did that pretty much throughout his career. A fantastic record for uh, Alan Donald. He's obviously gone into coaching, done a lot of different things since he uh, ended up playing the game. Certainly wasn't probably picked for his batting, but 330 test match wickets, an average of 22.25. That is pretty decent by anybody's standards. Alan Donald is somebody, I'm sure, Dion, that you have plenty of respect for. Without a doubt. The White Lightning, he also, I think, inspired a lot of young bowlers in my era. He's a little bit older than I am. I had 
the pleasure of playing with him for a, for a season or so. I played against him a couple of times. I used to drive to matches to watch him play, and he was just fast. 92 World Cup, first ball, South Africa back. Jeff Marsh nicks off, gets caught, umpire gives it not out. Um, because the story apparently goes that the umpire, I can't remember his name, was told that Alan was always close to the line. And umpire didn't have enough time to look up. So he was so focused on his foot that he forgot to concentrate on the ball down the other end. Um, but luckily, South Africa went on to win that game anyway. But he was he was special. Um, I was really tempted to put him into my top five, but the guy who's probably I picked instead of him will get to in a minute or two. But without a doubt, Alan deserves to be in, in this, this bracket. He absolutely lives, loves, breathes cricket. Uh, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet and seriously skilled. Over a thousand first loss wickets. Uh, I think the people at Warwickshire will undoubtedly uh, vote for him with the years of service that he gave them. And a strike rate in test matches of 47, a wicket every 47 balls. So that's a wicket yeah. less than eight every eight overs that he bowled in test match cricket. At some mm. stages, they obviously came in uh, rather dramatic clusters as well. But a real threat with the yeah. ball. And he, as you said, he, he's somebody that came into that South African team at just the right time to effectively inspire a generation. The, 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 the team, certainly in the field, was shaped around him, wasn't it? Yes, uh, I think so. You know, you, you could have maybe got more wickets if we had managed to play earlier because I know in that 86-87 series against Australia and the Rebels, he was playing as an 18-year-old. So he had four or five years learning his trade once again in county cricket. And when he got into... Uh, international cricket, the first ODI we played against India, he got five for almost managed to win the game for us uh, at Eden Gardens. But uh, an unbelievable bowler, uh, so athletic, uh, just made it look so easy. Oh, absolutely brilliant. I'm sure there's a lot of South Africans listening to this that will be voting for him as we go through the uh, hashtag Goat Cricketer poll vote. And I'm sure there's probably plenty in uh, other countries as well that will have the respect now. At, at the time, when you when you're watching your team facing Alan Donald, you want him to do everything but take a wicket. But when you can look back with a little bit of hindsight, you can just respect just how good a player he was and absolute, you know, great of the game in South Africa. Yeah, without a doubt. You mentioned that duel with Atherton and with Nasser Hussain. I think uh, Nasser was dropped by Boucher and that sort of just sparked Alan. And you know, it's not often bowling looks quick on TV, but I remember being gripped to that half an hour and just sitting there thinking, that is quick. And I'm so glad I'm not in standing in front of those stumps at the moment. In, in the crowd that day, uh, I was just there as a punter and I was watching it and I was just absolutely transfixed by the whole thing. It was just a, a proper, yeah. it was almost like gladiators in, a, in, the, in the Coliseum kind of thing, just going at each yeah. other. Atherton's got that, mm. uh, you, know, you know, when you're really angry with somebody and you, you, you're kind of like almost busting for a fight. I know we're both fairly gentle creatures, but and mm. the other person just kind of like smirks at you rather than gets aggressive, just smirks at you and almost dismisses you with a smile. That's what Atherton was doing yeah. to Donald. And it just really infuriated him, didn't it, that day? And it was just classic <laughs> test match cricket. Yeah, and it was quite a slow, low pitch as well. Um, luckily, I think if it was any quicker, you might have gone through Atherton a few times. Discover one of the most beautiful lifestyle resorts in the Caribbean at the Accra Beach Hotel and Spa. Located on the south coast of Barbados, this beachfront property offers 224 rooms, sparkling pools, four restaurants, three bars, an on-site spa, 
event and conferencing facilities, and a welcoming team providing unparalleled relaxation to make your stay a memorable one. What are you waiting for? Book your reservation at this award-winning hotel today and experience the Caribbean dream. Let's get on to your fourth nomination then, Dion Kreich. Who are you going to go for as your fourth pick? I'm going to go for Mr. 360, A.B. de Villiers. What a phenomenal player. I think we've we've used the word great uh, a few times today. And uh, if we use it in this uh, instance again, it won't be lost because he has played some of the most amazing innings. And I've been fortunate enough to see some of them live. Uh, he's just made batting look easy when other guys have been at sea. He averages 50.66 in Test Match Cricket. 114 Test Matches A.B. de Villiers has played for his country. Just short of 9,000 runs. Unlikely he's going to add to that now because he's, he's turned his back on the Test Arena, hasn't he? But an absolute great and obviously kept wicket as well for much of that time too. And uh, there's a question I bring up quite a lot on the Cricket Badger 20 questions. If you could be living the, in the skin of a cricketer for 24 hours and experience what it's like to be them for a day and have their talent and be able to play the shots or bowl the balls that they can they can do. A.B. de Villiers would be my pick because, as you say, he's just played some of the most remarkable innings. He can, yeah. he can play shots, particularly in the one-day arena. Obviously, this is a vote for Test Match Cricket, but he can play shots in, in all forms of cricket that other people wouldn't even mm. dare to dream about playing. Oh, and once again, he makes it look so easy. And that's always a sign for me of genuine class. If someone makes it look so easy that you think, I can do that, then that just shows you they're an absolute master of their skill. So two innings particularly stand out for me. Is the Obviously, the 149 of 40-odd balls in the one day at the Wonders against West Indies, where he should have got the record, which he eventually did get in the 19 or 2015 World Cup against the West Indies as well. But I remember him coming in at three after uh, Riley Rousseau got out for his maiden 100. And sort of jokingly, when when he got to 50 or 13, 14 balls, I said to my fellow commentators, there's enough time for him to get 100 still. (laughs) And he should have got 150. If he was a selfish cricketer, he could have gone, take one, and get the record, but he's not that kind of guy. He was looking for a maximum, you know. So that was just like you so gobsmacked as it's happening, but you you can't believe it. But the innings that probably surpasses that one for me is the ninety odd he got against Australia at Supersport Park. There was a crack down the pitch, and uh, I mentioned Mitchell Johnson earlier. He bounced up Graham Smith, Callis, Amler. Fuff was playing. That's a proper, proper batting lineup. And they all looked, with all due respect, like they weren't going to score a run. AB got 90, and it literally looked like he was having throwdowns in the net. There was one particular shot he threw mid-wicket, which he just clipped off Mitchell Johnson. And you just think, he's not allowed to play like that. Um, so, unbelievable. IPL, he's played many innings. Uh, and I'm sure he'll he'll be up there with the vote, especially if the Indian um, listeners have a say. Absolutely. And it, I mean, if you can average 50.66 in Test Match Cricket and average 53.5 in one-day cricket, 
You are one of the few players, yeah. I think, that have cracked both formats of the game at the very, very highest level. And he he, he did that. He was just an ab- incredible player yeah. and yeah. a really nice guy as well. By the I mean, I've never met him. I'd love to have him on the Cricket Budget podcast. If you're listening, AB, I, you know, get my number because I would love to talk to you. I'll send him a message and ask him. But you have to mention, he averages 53 in one day cricket, but the strike rate is over 100. Yeah. That is insane. Uh, um, and yeah, I mean, you, you, kind of, you run out of words of just kind of superlatives for ABTV. Yeah. He's just a, an incredible, incredible player. And uh, well, yeah, certainly, certainly warrants his place in the 32. And as you say, I expect him to get a long way in this vote because there'll be a lot of people out there mm. have similar feelings towards him that I do, that he was just a, an absolute genius bat in hand. So AB, AB de Villiers yeah. goes yeah. into the hat. Yeah. My next domination, Dion Kreish, is um, Mark Boucher. Um, I always had a lot of respect for Mark Boucher. I mean, terrible the way his career finished. I actually met him out in Abu Dhabi a couple of years ago. His uh, Titans team, he was coaching the Titans at the time, they're playing in the Emirates T20. And I had the uh, pleasure of, of interviewing Mark Boucher um, a couple of times when I was out there. Really nice guy, quite quiet, but very determined as well. I mean, what, on my very kind of brief knowing of him from out in that tournament, really nice, really approachable, always had time. But you could tell there's a steely determination behind Mark Boucher that just kind of drove him on, especially as a coach. He wanted to get the best out mm-hmm. of the Titans. And on that basis, he's now obviously in charge of the South African side. I think he's going to do wonders for them. As you said, I'm a Graham Smith in charge. Mark Boucher leading the coaching ranks. They've got some very capable pairs of hands on the tiller at the moment, South African cricket. But you look at his test match record, 147 test matches for his country. He averaged over 30, which obviously for a wicketkeeper batsman is, is pretty decent as well. Five centuries for his country and uh, 532 catches. Probably a lot of those off for uh, Alan Donald, who we've just mentioned. And uh, 23 stumpings, a really good wicketkeeper, a really good batsman. And somebody that uh, South Africa often turn to a little bit further down the order. If their top order had had a bit of a nightmare... Mark Boucher often came in and repaired the damage. I think so, yes. I think that's spot on. Uh, he was also, like you say, the guy that played those vital innings when it was needed. The 4-3-8 game, we'll never forget. Um, getting 50 hitting um, Bradley for, to win that improbable, impossible, unforgettable game. I, I think he, he definitely is keeping improved. He was probably not originally the best loveman in South Africa, but he's keeping improved and and the personality, like you alluded to earlier, was um, fitted into the South African framework at that stage. It was a golden era for South African cricket too, with the with the players that we've we've spoken about, uh, you know, along the way, and and maybe one or two still to come. Number one in the world in in one in one day cricket and Test cricket, uh, and he was a pivotal role in that. And and obviously now, like you were saying, he uh, can pass on that knowledge, batting, bowling, keeping to the next generation of South African cricketers. Uh, you, you know him far better than I do. Um, have I summed him up quite yeah. well in terms of his personality? He just seems to be a really nice guy, but he's really determined, really driven and really cares. Without a doubt. I think he's also changed a little bit. I think there was, with all due respect, at some stage the South African team was a little bit unapproachable in a way. Maybe it wasn't done on purpose, but he has become a lot more approachable. I, I enjoy chatting to him and, and you know, like, picking his brain, but he, he's ultra competitive. The way he was, you could see it, you know, he's a little fighter. If I, if I, if I can use the analogy, he was a, he's a typical little Jack Russell, you know, always n- napping at your heels and, and, and never giving up and almost uh, thinking he's this massive big dog. Um, not that he wasn't, but he, he never, never gave up. 
Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the Cricket Badger podcast. The listeners are going up every single week through COVID-19. Hopefully, we're giving you a little bit of entertainment to take you away from the troubles in the world. Thank you very much for listening. Loads of great guests planned for the next few weeks as well. So stay tuned to Cricket Badger podcast. Like, subscribe. Thank you so much for your support of the Cricket Badger podcast. Your last nomination, Dion Croce, is somebody that's still playing and still is rather good, but he's had a fantastic career. Yeah, the one I, I felt, in my opinion, just put Alan. Um, I know Alan's first-loss record is better than Dale's because of the amount of county cricket he's played, but Dale just puts him in, in uh, test matches. So Dale's staying for me. He came on the scene as a young tearaway fast bowler. Um, and I think if you look at Dale's record, home and away, He's just remarkable. I think we, we look at fast bowlers who did not just well in their own uh, uh, conditions, but overseas. You know, in India, he used to reverse swing the ball. He's got 10 first in games in India on flat wickets, Sri Lanka, uh, you name it. And, and South Africa for a long, long time was unbeaten. It was probably the best team away from home. And I think his record as a bowler and the way Graham used him was a large part in, in their success. 439 test wickets for Dale Stain. As per Alan Donald, he averages in the 22s with the ball as well, and best bowling in a match of 11 for 60. Currently 36, so probably uh, coronavirus and things like that aren't uh, helping players who are kind of that's that kind of age, are they? Because they, they need all of the months uh, to cram in the, the last few matches that they possibly yeah. can. But 93 test matches... For Dale Stain. I remember him, Dion. Yeah. I was at uh, Headingley and he was playing for Worcestershire, I think. He was only a fairly young pup at the time. And uh, he, uh, I, I uh, remember. Was it Essex? I was, it was, yeah, you're right. It was Essex. And uh, uh, I, Essex. I, um, yeah. I, I remember watching him and thinking, oh, he's got something about him. And then, you know how, ta- mm. how time flies and you kind of almost wake up from that little bit of a, a moment in your life about five years later and he's the best fast bowler in the world. Mm. You know, he's a fantastic yeah. player. You mentioned Alan's strike rate in Test cricket. Dale's is better. He was probably. For a long time, the best in Test cricket, you know, better than Wazim and Wacker and all those kind of guys. And that says a hell of a lot. Yeah, he's just been uh, played by injuries towards the end of his career, hasn't he? But you're right, strike yeah. rate of 42.3 in Test match cricket. That is, uh, that takes yeah. some beating, doesn't that's it? That's sensational. Oh, that's over 93 matches on fairly good wickets. That's uh, world class. And again, another player that's conquered all formats of the game. And that is not the easiest thing in the world to do these days. It's a, a pretty intense life being an international cricketer. And if you can be successful and classed as one of the world's best, if not the world's best across all formats, you've not had a bad career. Yeah. And Dale Stane certainly fits into that bracket. Let's get on then to yeah. our final nomination of the 10 that we're going to put up for South African goat cricketer today on the uh, Cricket Badger podcast. And I'm going to go for Makaya Antini. I've always got fond memories of him. He always had a big smile on his face. He's now 42, so uh, long since left the game. But 101 test matches, took 390 test match wickets at an average of 28.82. Obviously, not quite necessarily in the same class as uh, Donald and Stain in terms of strike rate. But he always struck me, Dion, as somebody that gave his all for the side. You know, he gave him the ball. He just ran in for you know however long you wanted to keep him on. He tried his heart out 
and a, a quite an important figure as well politically. Um, obviously, a black player at a time that uh, South Africa were mm. coming out of apartheid and really did represent his black countrymen very, very well indeed. And I know he's really well thought of now. If he walks into any of the uh, townships in South Africa, he's absolutely de- you know, treated like a hero. Yeah, uh, he's one of my favourite people on earth. Uh, and I, I can say that um, with no shame. He has not changed one little bit since he started. We started playing at school against each other. So I've known him for a, for a very, very long time. And uh, I've got so much respect for him. I keep saying to him, he looks like a young Nelson Mandela um, he's always loud. You always know where Makaya is, but he's, he's, he hasn't changed, like I say. Um, he was not the showman. He was probably the hoggard of the South African attack, if I, if I can say that with all due respect to, to Hoggy. Not the, the superstar, but he did all the hard work. He bowled the overs. Not many people will know. Makaya used to, on the third day of a test match, whether they batted or bowled, he used to run 10Ks in the morning before they went to the ground. He was that fit. He did, was Did you not do that, Super, deal? super. Um, I probably wouldn't have run 10 metres. <laughs> no. I, I, I used to run a little bit, but not nearly as much as that. He was unbelievable. Uh, always a smile, always gives you 100%. And we mentioned Mark Boucher's 50 in that 4-3-8 game. The single Makaya got was probably his most important run ever in international cricket. Yeah, I, I think a terrific player. I remember... Um, he, he was after a test match had finished at Trent Bridge once. He was on the uh, on the balcony, and he's a character as well, isn't he? he he's uh, always got a big smile. Oh, big as time. you say, he's not quite not quite individual. He's got a big voice as well. But yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of just warmed to him as a player, despite the fact that he was on the opposition team. He always struck me as somebody. I, I always like to see my sportsman giving a hundred percent and having a big heart. And I think you can say that of uh, yeah. Kyra and Teeny. Um, just talking, going away from him for a second, but his son is uh, starting out in the game at the moment, isn't he? It's, uh, is it Thando and, and Tini? Um, he's, uh, Thando, nine, yeah. He's 19 years old. He's just coming up to his 20th birthday in about 50 days' time at the time of uh, recording. He's played for South Africa in the Under-19 World Cup, and he's just starting his mm-hmm. uh, life as, uh, as a professional cricketer in first-class cricket as well. Just played seven first-class games at the moment and played a few this day in T20 matches too is he is he somebody that can follow in his dad's footsteps has he got the uh, the prospect there to go on and maybe play for South Africa at some stage in the future I think it's hard to say uh, you know sometimes it doesn't look like a superstar to me at the, at the moment with all due respect he looks good but there's not that X factor that I've, I've seen in him yet with, and I don't mean it in any bad way um, he had a very good uh, one day series now for the Cobras but he's just signed for the Titans where Mark Boucher used to be coach um, so he's he's moved to a different franchise and maybe a new challenge will will be good for him. He's also very athletic. He bowls uh, 130s. So what is that? 82s, 83s. He's not rapid at the moment. Uh, so maybe as he gets a little bit stronger, he, he can get a little bit quicker. But you know, it's it's hard to say. There's so many factors that, that play a role in being successful. The DNA is there for him to be successful. Let's let's leave it at that. Yeah, I mean the next sort of couple of years for him are going to be are going to be key, aren't they? I mean, you, you see a lot of players who yeah. suddenly kind of grow up, don't they, as a, as a bowler or even as a batsman, and uh, suddenly kind of yeah. everything clicks, and uh, he adds another five miles an hour to his uh, his mm. armory, and all of a sudden he's up, up and away. But I mean, I, I've mentioned before, Correct. you know, I, I wrote that book about father and sons in cricket, and the pressure expectation on somebody with a, a famous surname coming yeah. through, and for South African cricket, Antini, you immediately think Makaya. 
And anybody seeing his mm. uh, you know, Thunder's name on the uh, scorecards will automatically have that conversation in the stands, won't they? He's, he's going to be tough for him. It will be, without a doubt. But Makaya um, has been good. He's been supportive. But he's, he's always said he's got to fight his own battles and he's got to be his own man. And, and I think it's good for him. He'll, he'll grow up and he'll learn. And, and he'll, uh, the system he's gone into now, not that the Cobra setup was under Ashwell Prince was, was uh, bad for him, but in the in the setup of the Titans, it's uh, they've always been sort of a, a little bit more in your face type of team. So uh, maybe just the, the outlook and the way they approach the game will be a bit different, and and then maybe that'll be good for him. It's that Badger style. Can we finish this podcast by talking about Hansi Cronje? I, I left him off my list because of the the match fixing stuff and and what have you. And you know, there's no doubt he was a fantastic. Yep captain for, for South Africa no doubt that he was a terrific player I just wondered I mean I'm, I'm obviously stood in England at the moment and uh, you know, don't have that kind of immersed in the South African kind of psyche how do South mm-hmm. Africans view Hansi Cronje these days because it's strange for me because I ultimately I, I've got this very um, certainly these days a very much a zero tolerance on any anything to do with match fixing and stuff like that everybody knows the score yeah. everybody knows the rules and if you get caught then it's your mm-hmm. own fault um, it was slightly different yeah. back in those days Obviously, the the bookmakers got their claws into Hansi, and once you once they do that, mm. you, it's hard to escape from them, isn't it? Um, how do the South African yeah. public view Hansi Cronje these days in terms of his reputation and how? You know, because he, he was much loved as captain, wasn't he, for, for a long time? He was. Uh, it was so sad. I I knew him reasonably well, um, and I always thought he was such a like Graham was as a captain. It was just like that aura. Like uh, Lucas Radebe was, Radebe was at at, um, at Leeds in the soccer. There's just this, this aura about this person. You can just sense it, like a Nelson Mandela almost. And Hansi had that about him. He, people would listen to him, and uh, when he when he spoke, and, and and he was a natural leader. And it was sad, you know. Money is a is a is an evil thing. Uh, there's so many people that have done bad things for money and, and probably will still in future. That's human nature. But I, I think he's still, in a way, with certain people, very well received and, and still missed. I think his peers, the guys that played with him, respect him as a cricketer and maybe understand, yes, he made a mistake, uh, etc. And there might be some people that'll have more of a grudge against him for doing it. Uh, but, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to judge. Uh, I had a, a chat earlier to someone and I was talking about political things that have happened in our country. And I said, you know, if I was on this side of the line, it's easy for me to say I would have acted in such a way. But I don't know until I've been there. You know, you can only imagine yourself how you would act. And also in the same vein, I want to say that about Hansi. It's easy to to sometimes judge him for what he did. But if you as a person were in the same position, would you maybe not have done exactly the same as he would have? So, uh, I'd rather forget about that in a way um, and remember him for the value he added as a player and as a captain. Everybody makes mistakes as well, Dion. Nobody goes through life without uh, yeah. you know dropping your oh. racket at some stage and everybody can be swayed by money as well. And the, the only trouble with doing it oh, as, a, well. as a captain of South Africa and, and having those, um, yeah, it's almost like the mafia, isn't it, that run these, drug, uh, these uh, yeah. match, match fixing rings. Once they get their teeth into you, once you make one mistake, you then have to make another 20 yeah. or 30 because they're never going to let you off the hook. So mm. you, know, you, you can't just apologise and move on, can you? They've, they've got you for life almost. I oh, know it's it's sad. I I read an article earlier about T20 cricket and 
and the corruption still going on, and it's it's sad in cricket and how it's manipulated and how other guys have, have been banned and also been found out and so forth. And it's sad. It's sad. It's 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 unfortunate part of of our game, and I don't know whether we'll ever fully eradicate it. Would you, if you were? I mean, I'm going to take our ten nominations. I'm going to add in Sean Pollock because he goes in. He's a no-brainer as well. He goes straight in as well. Would you put Hansi Cronier in that 32, or does the fact of what how it finished for him shed the the, the kind of tag great off of his uh, Test record? That's a difficult one. I probably wouldn't put him in that bracket, not because of what happened. Um, I think he was a good captain, but I don't think his record was as good as some of the guys in that bracket. Yes, he he, he did well, but I think as just as a pure player, there are probably guys that have been better than uh, he has been. Going back through then our nominations that we've done on this Cricket Budget podcast, Graham Pollock for you, Dion, Jack Callis, A.B. de Villiers, Dale Stane and Eddie Barlow were your five. For me, it was Hashim Amla, Graham Smith, Mark Boucher, Alan Donald and Makaya Antini. I tell you what, if you put those 10 out on the pitch and added in Sean Pollock, say, as, the, as your 11th man in that team, mm. that would be a rather good side, wouldn't it? So I'll be happy to be 12th man in that one. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you were going to have to pick one of those 10, one of the 10 that we've mentioned today on the podcast and he would get your vote to be the greatest of all time in Test Match Cricket. Who would you Who would you give it to? If it's just Test Match Cricket, uh, it'll have to be Jack Kelly. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it's. I think Jack Callis is certainly going to make the final. He's going to be there, thereabouts come the end of it. But I'll tell you what, yeah. you know, when you have these discussions, I mean, for all of the countries that we've done a podcast on and you've looked down the greats, you know, South Africa has got their fair share and I'll tell you what, every single one of them is a great of the game. It's who is the greatest. And that's what we're going to be voting for at cricket underscore badger on the Twitter feed over the next few days. Looking for the greatest South African test match cricketer of all time. Dean Kreish, it's been great to talk to you. Thank you for your knowledge on South Africa. And uh, well, get voting as well. Have your say too. I will. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And uh, may the best man win. It's that badger style. Thank you very much to Dion Kreish for his time. You will hear him again very soon indeed because he was very kind, but he also stayed on the line and we had a chat about his career and life and times in cricket. He answered the Cricket Badger 20 questions. So that episode will come into your ears, into your lug holes very soon indeed, along with a a load of other ones that I've got recorded that are sat on my laptop waiting to go. So plenty of uh, Cricket Badger podcasts to come over the next few weeks. Thanks to tvsportsblog.com for their support of the podcast at TV Sports Blog on Twitter. Give them a follow, have a look on their website. Some great sporting content that they serve up as well. And their support of the Cricket Badger podcast is much appreciated. I talked at the top of the show about the fact that getting feedback from around the world, but the Cricket Badger podcast, it's been the number one podcast in South Africa. So if you're listening in South Africa, obviously this episode is of special interest to you. It wasn't calculated to coincide with being number one in South Africa. It's just how the cookie crumbled. So it's a, it's a happy coincidence. Yeah, the Cricket Badger podcast is special to me. It's a, a little baby of mine which I've had for a few years now and we've had some fantastic guests on it and I've given it extra push during lockdown because as I said at the top of the show I've got nothing else to do at all at the moment as I uh, get through lockdown in the UK so talking about cricket my greatest love and talking to some fantastic cricketers has been a real joy for me during this difficult period for all of us and hopefully it's uh, given you something to listen to as uh, you've struggled wherever you are in the world seeing that it's riding high in the charts around the world 
world is really pleasing because as I say it's a special little thing for me the Cricket Badger podcast it's the only thing that I can call my own really I'm a freelance journalist I do work for everybody else and Cricket Badger podcast is mine really nice that uh, it's finding its niche and you're listening to it out there and, and enjoying it and letting me know that you're enjoying it so give it a like give it a subscribe leave some nice comments on whatever platform that you listen to it on that would be much appreciated and don't forget as well vote on the hashtag Goat Cricketer I'll do the first round draw that'll appear on the cricket at cricket underscore badger twitter feed and then fill your boots vote for whoever you think is the greatest South African test cricketer have a discussion on there as well tell people why you think what you think and we'll see over the next week or so who you vote for as the greatest South African test match cricketer of all time hashtag goat cricketer on social media thanks for listening thank you for voting I've been James and I'll see you next time on the Cricket Badger podcast Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.